Good morning and a very warm welcome to worship at Hillhead. This is our Remembrance Sunday service, so it will include an act of remembrance and a moment's silence. Our service this morning is led by our minister, Katrina, back from her very restful annual leave. Today we will also hear the voices of Brian reading scripture, Tamara leading us in the Lord's Prayer, Rachel will lead our prayers for others, shortly Graham L will light our candle, and our musicians are Neil and Paul. We will meet again this evening at 7pm for our evening reflections. These will be on Zoom and they'll be on Zoom for the rest of November. We'd like to invite everyone, if they can, to stay behind the service this morning for a very short church meeting. Um, it's regarding our conversion to SEIO. We don't anticipate it's going to be very long, but it's a very important conversation. Um, Katrina has asked if we can look out for details shortly of the Advent season <laughs> that she's going to be sending out a what's on over the festive period. And on a similar note, as is our custom, we are again inviting donations to Christian Aid in lieu of sending each other Christmas cards. So the Just Giving link, um, which you should have all received in your email, will be open until the end of the month. Um, and you can also leave a short message if you wish on there. All the names will be included in a PDF card um, or a newsletter, which will be sent out early December. In family news, um, we keep in our prayers this week, Ken, as he was admitted to hospital um, in the past week. Next Sunday morning, our worship will be led by Reverend Graham Clark and the evening reflections will be led on Zoom. And now it's time for Graham to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends.
So because we are into Remembrance Sunday, we do our traditional Remembrance Act. Uh, for those who are in the hotel, if you're able to stand, that's great. For those at home, please feel free to remain seated. And as we've done for a number of years now, the names from our own war memorials will appear during the two-minute silence. I will say the words appear on screen in yellow if you could join me, if you would wish to, with those in white. We are in the presence of God. We commit ourselves to work in penitence and faith for reconciliation between the nations that all people may, together, live in freedom, justice and peace. We pray for all who in bereavement, disability and pain continue to suffer the consequences of fighting and terror. We remember with thanksgiving and sorrow those whose lives in world wars and conflicts past and present have been given and taken away. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. Let us pray. We come to you, the God of all creation, as your beloved children in need of your care. We come to you with mixed emotions and imperfect understanding on a day when we pause to remember those who have died in armed conflict to acknowledge the seemingly endless cycles of war and violence and to reflect on the quest for peace and reconciliation among peoples and nations. Whilst we are grateful for all that is good about our own lives, we are aware that even in our own villages, towns and cities, our neighbours for whom cruelty and violence are an everyday experience. It can all feel too much, God, and we struggle to know where to begin as we try to remember, to reflect, and to work towards reconciliation. As we share today, 
May your gentle spirit touch our wounded hearts, minds and souls, soothing our hurts and comforting our sorrow. As we share together today, may your vital spirit stir with each one of us new hope for a kinder world where we and all people may fully live. And as we share together today, may we once more find ourselves in step with Jesus, the Prince of Peace and Light of the World, as we journey onwards into the week ahead. Amen. The Lord's Prayer would be today in German, but please feel free to pray in every language that you like or prefer. Vater unser im Himmel, geheiligt werde dein Name, dein Reich komme, dein Wille geschehe, wie im Himmel, so auf Erden. Unser täglich Brot gib uns heute und vergib uns unsere Schuld, wie auch wir vergeben unseren Schuldigern. Und führe uns nicht in Versuchung, sondern erlöse uns von dem Bösen, denn dein ist das Reich und die Kraft und die Herrlichkeit in Ewigkeit. Amen. This summer, I was very fortunate to spend a week's holiday based in Coventry, during which time I attended worship in the cathedral and visited a number of places that form part of the Coventry Peace Trail. Reconciliation is very important to the work of the cathedral, and as a city, Coventry is twinned with many towns and cities around the world who share this same ideal. The photos I'm going to share don't follow a precise route around the city and neither do they tell a tidy story. But they help me anyway to reflect a little bit on the importance of remembering the past and seeking a more hopeful and reconciled future. 
This poppy is painted on a pavement in Coventry at the entrance to what is called the War Memorial Park. The words, lest we forget, seem to be important because, as many people have told us over the years, those who forget their past, their own flawed story, are all too often doomed to repeat the same patterns of damage and destruction. On the 14th of November 1940, so the anniversary of this is tomorrow, Coventry Cathedral was destroyed by a firebomb. An ancient place of worship, much of the outer shell survived the fire. An altar was created from salvaged stones and a cross was made from two charred timbers. Today, a replica of that cross hangs above the altar. The original, which I'll show you in a minute or two, is now housed inside the new cathedral because it's very fragile. A new cathedral was built standing next to the old, and the famous statue of St Michael defeating the devil towers over the surrounding area, a sign of ultimate hope, even in very difficult times. So here in the centre of this picture is the original charred cross formed of timbers from the old cathedral. On the left, you can see garlands of peace cranes that were hanging in the Chapel of Unity, following an international event that had taken place just before I visited Coventry. On the right, you can see at the top, the Stalingrad Madonna, which is housed in a small dedicated chapel. And at the bottom right, the Thornflower, a sculpture in the Chapel of Unity that was inspired by events of the Shoah or Holocaust, in which thousands, no, millions, lost their lives under the Nazi regime. Whilst intentionally Christian, the cathedral is open to people of all faiths and none, and this is reflected in the art and artefacts within. Just in the shadow of the old cathedral lies a small slate memorial stone, dedicated to unknown civilians killed in war. And just a few yards from the cathedral, which you can see um, on the bottom left of that slide, stand what appear to be sheets of rusty metal. And into these sheets of metal are engraved the names of people and house numbers, because these are memorials to the homes that were destroyed in the same bombs. And some of those people died in the bombings. And on the top left is a list of all the civilian casualties of war in Coventry who died during those bombings. It's a huge list of names, some old, some young, some that were well known, some that were not. It's a very sobering reminder, well were needed, of the human and civilian consequences of war. Just behind the cathedral is a small garden, not particularly well tended, I would have to say, but within that stands a peace pole. And on the four sides of that pole, it says, may peace prevail on earth. On one side, it is written in English, on one side in German, on one in French, and the fourth in Japanese. The very first peace pole was arranged, was erected, sorry, in Hiroshima in Japan in 1955. And now an organisation called the World Peace Prayer Society promotes that installation. More than 200,000 peace poles have been erected in around about 200 countries worldwide. For me, that's a powerful symbol of shared humanity and ultimately a desire for peace. In the War Memorial Garden, which is, sorry, the War Memorial Park, which is at the south of the city, there are a number of dedicated different gardens. And it's, it's a lovely place where people go and walk and play and have picnics. There's uh, some, even a small zoo there. But within it lies the German Peace Garden. And it, it did seem a little bit neglected, sadly, but the signage was kept clean and the significance remains. 
Established in 1963, it's a symbol of friendship between the people of Germany and the people of the United Kingdom, particularly, I guess, between Coventry and Dresden. And it remains as a shared commitment of the ideal of peace and reconciliation. So here you can see that what is actually written on there. I guess it's the words on the right, perhaps, that strike me most. We're most grateful to everyone concerned in this project. This garden of peace will serve not only as an expression of the undoubted sincerity of our German friends for continued peace, but also as a means of providing many hours of pleasure for the citizens of Coventry. Language may be a little bit dated and it may sound a bit patronising to 21st century ears, but in 1963, I think that was quite a powerful thing to have said. There is also a Japanese peace garden uh, called Islands of Peace, which includes a lot of oriental plassing. And it's a lovely still place, even on a hot summer day. Joining on to the Japanese peace garden is a multi-sensory garden where aromatic and tactile plants are there to bring pleasure to people who are blind or visually impaired, or for people who find the busyness of the main park too overwhelming. And it was just a nice place to be, very still, very, very tranquil. The park is home to a huge variety of trees, and inevitably some of them get damaged or destroyed by storms and extreme weather. And this beautiful sculpture was carved from the trunk of an Atlantic cedar tree that died as a result of storm damage. Apparently, this was carved by a chainsaw artist. How on earth somebody with a chainsaw managed to create that is, is beyond me. But here we see something beautiful created from something brokenness, a symbol of hope reborn. Like many other parks, many of the trees are planted in memory of people who've died, especially those who had died in war. And as I walked around, I was intrigued to see laminated photographs with photos and stories that were tied to many trees. When I looked closer, I realised that these were the men and boys whose families had paid for the trees to be planted, some of them getting on for a hundred years ago. And when I looked down, at ground level, there were often tiny metal plaques with the same names on them. So this slide commemorates three brothers who all died at a very young age. This second slide gives two other examples. One was a young man in his 30s who died in France. The other, I think it struck me because he was a Scottish-born person, but also he lived a long life. He was a medical doctor who, was, who served in Burma, looking after people coming out of the prison camps before settling into the Midlands where he lived out the rest of his life. But it's not just war that is remembered in this park. Like so many other parks around the world, or around the nation anyway, there are permanent reminders of the pandemic we've all just come through and which still to some degree rumbles on. In this one, it's a rose garden, and they chose to plant beautiful, old-fashioned, scented roses as part of their way of remembering those who had died. Moving back closer to the cathedral, there was a powerful poster display of poetry and prose by black and minority ethnic writers as part of a focus on racism. And I've picked three of the statements that I saw that I found to be powerful and thought-provoking. I think what struck me is whether you're black or white, straight or gay, old or young, or anything else, you could say these things because they're true for all of us. All of us risk being stereotyped. All of us need to have people who accept us and so on. It was good that in Coventry there was this attention given to celebrating the lives of black and minority ethnic people because there are many of them who live there. This famous statue called Reconciliation shows two people kneeling down and embracing each other. The original is owned by Bradford University and it was originally designed to be a couple uh, who met we were reunited 
after being separated during the war. But the, the sculptor actually decided, no, that actually this could be reconciliation between different nations, people who kneel and embrace each other in mutual support, mutual recognition of a shared humanity. And because of when I visited, again, a garland of peace cranes had been used um, to, to adorn that. Flipping back to the War Memorial Park, I was very struck by the choice of wording on this piece of art on the, on the ground. There are poppies, but the words, we will remember. It seemed to take me back to my starting point of the importance of remembering, because if we don't remember, we cannot learn and we cannot change. On the railings of Coventry Cathedral is a banner that says, Welcome to Coventry Cathedral. And it's lovely words. They are lovely words. And you will find very similar words outside many other places. It's humorous, but it's also thoughtful. A warm welcome to any and all who would choose to enter the doors. Like us, Coventry Cathedral is a community of people who are trying to live as followers of Jesus doing their best to live out their aspiration that all are welcome. They aren't perfect. They don't have it all sorted. I had to have a wry smile to myself when I was given a, a service book that just said, we stand for the hymns. I'm like, mm, okay, that's not very inclusive, is it? But they are people like us doing their best to welcome all and to commit themselves to reconciliation and peacemaking. Oops. When the cathedral, the old cathedral, when the, when the um, cr cross was put in and the new altar was put in, the provost deliberately chose to have the words Father forgive engraved on the wall there. Not Father forgive them, but Father forgive. Because he said, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so I thought it would be good for us to share in the Coventry Litany of Reconciliation, which dates back to 1958, which starts from those words. So if I read the yellow words, if you would like to join me, if you feel comfortable to do so in those in white. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, Class from class, Father, forgive. The covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own, Father, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste to the earth, Father, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others, Father, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned, the homeless, the refugee. Father, forgive. The lust which dishonours the bodies of men, women and children. Father, forgive. The pride which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God. Father, forgive. Let us be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgives us. Amen.
A reading from scripture, from the gospel as told by Luke, and it's using the voice translation. Jesus said, if you're listening, here's my message. Keep loving your enemies, no matter what they do. Keep doing good to those who hate you. Keep speaking blessings on those who curse you. Keep praying for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, offer the other cheek too. If someone steals your coat, offer them their sh your shirt too. If someone begs from you, give to them. If someone robs you of your valuables, don't demand them back. Think of the kindness you wish others to show you. Then do the same for them. Listen, what's the big deal if you love people who already love you? Even scoundrels do that much. So what if you do good to those who do good to you? Even scoundrels do that much. So what if you lend to people who are likely to repay you? Even scoundrels lend to scoundrels if they think they'll be fully repaid. If you want to be extraordinary, love your enemies. Do good without restraint. Lend with abandon. Don't expect anything in return. Then you'll receive the truly great reward. You will be the children of the Most High. For God is kind to the ungrateful and those who are wicked. So imitate God and be truly compassionate the way your father is. I guess I could talk to you. I could talk about reconciliation. But when I was checking um, the website from Coventry Cathedral, I discovered they had a short film of four of their canons for reconciliation speaking. And I thought it made much more sense to listen to them than to listen to me. So that's what we're going to do. And immediately after we've watched this video, we are invited to sing a hymn which is printed on your sheets there is no playover on the music um, and it may not be familiar so if you know it and you want to start singing along from the first verse that's fine if you don't know it maybe you can pick it up at the second verse and i suggest because it's unfamiliar that we remain seated those of us who are on site as we sing but first hopefully if the tech works a short video
I think definitions of reconciliation tend to vary a bit, but my own working definition when I'm engaged in something is the transformation of violent or destructive conflict into non-violent and creative disagreement. You don't try and resolve conflict, you try and reconcile those involved in conflict. What is this strange word, reconciliation? Reconciliation, of course, is about healing broken relationships. It's about taking the risk of doing precisely what Jesus did and asked his disciples to do, is to love their enemies. Probably the hardest of all the Christian commandments, if we call it that. I tend to present my understanding of reconciliation by saying what it isn't rather than what it is. So reconciliation isn't about resolving conflict, it's about transforming it. Uh, it isn't about eradicating differences, it's about learning to live and inhabit the differences in a more constructive relational way. Uh, and I think reconciliation is very contingent, uh, it's very elusive and it's very much a long-term project. Uh, and it's something that is very rare. Uh, I think when I hear people claiming that reconciliation has happened, I'm always quite sceptical because we never quite fully get there, this side of the Perusia. And that's why, at one level, my favourite definition of reconciliation is the one that Stanley Harwas gives, which is that reconciliation is when our enemy tells us our story in such a way that we're able to say, yes, that is my story. And it's, it's that point of, of mutual understanding, uh, the complete inhabiting of the experience of the other at which you're at enmity with. It's about the hope that we can live as the people God wants us to be, people who are reconciled with each other and reconciled with him. I talked on the radio, the local radio here, um, Radio Coventry in Warwickshire, when I first started this post about a year ago, and they asked me what I thought about reconciliation there too. I found myself saying on the radio that reconciliation is a bit like the Coventry Ring Road. You have to know when to intervene. You have to know how to, how to do it, how to drive onto the Ring Road and how to drive off again. You have to know what, what you're doing. And then it's a journey and you travel. You travel alongside people and bring people together to travel alongside each other. I am utterly passionate about, about reconciliation. If you talk to, the, to my colleagues on the staff here at Lambeth, they will say that when we get into reconciliation things, I become a slightly different character. It's, it's something that is absolutely shaping almost everything I think of. It's the desire of my heart to find ways in which we can transform destructive, violent conflict into peaceful, disagreement and diversity, possibly with passion, passionate disagreement, but not destructive disagreement. So I carry that. I carry with me in my mind the image of Christ in glory behind the high altar at Coventry. And in my heart, there is that memory of sitting in my stall at Evensong on the days before I travelled to somewhere dangerous and difficult feeling sick and frightened and looking at the man standing between the feet of Jesus, overshadowed, unable to see the Christ who protected him. I carry that with me so often and I carry with me those extraordinary words in the great bronze letters at the back of the cathedral at the west end on the floor on 14th November 1940, this cathedral burned to the glory of God. And that sense of what human beings can destroy, God raises up. And also, the, I mean, I go on, I go on forever, but the great West screen with the insanely dancing, bopping angels going completely crazy 
And that sense of the figure of Christ at one end and the bopping angels at the other. And next to them, the sun bursting through the baptistry window. The darkness of the chapel of unity, so often reflecting the darkness and chaos of our disunity in the church, and the call to the world in the chapel of industry. The peace of the chapel of the Stalingrad Madonna, my favorite place to sit and pray silently in the cathedral. And that sense of a place that knows what it's for, and provided it holds that sense, will always find itself in the center of God's will. It's time for our prayers for others. Dear Lord, as we gather together on Remembrance Day, the first thing that comes to mind are the conflicts and the wars that currently go on outside of our own countries, some of them inside as well, particularly the war in Ukraine. There are many others that could be named. Lord, we pray that you would bring those conflicts to reconciliation, to peace, and soon. That the toil being placed on those nations, those peoples, those individuals would be lightened and be replaced with joy. But Lord, coming closer to home, we also thank you. We thank you that we can gather, that we have the peace surrounding us to be here, and that we don't have to hide. Thank you for the peace that allows us to be in this community, in a community that worships you, even with interpersonal tensions and disagreements that undoubtedly exist. But thank you for this wonderful opportunity. Thank you for the peace that exists in the other areas of our lives, at school, with friends, our family, with our coworkers, or the people that we haven't seen in a long time, but still communicate with thanks to technology. Thank you for the peace that we have with our neighbors who give us a friendly smile and a wave in passing. Thank you for those bits of peace. I also want to pray for the areas of our lives where peace might not exist, with our family who think and believe differently than us, the relationships that are good one day and the next day difficult, our friends who have drifted away after a sharp disagreement, our spouses maybe, or maybe one of our coworkers, or maybe a neighbor that we're having disagreement with. Lord, in those areas where we lack peace, help us to honor you with every interaction. We also pray for the BMS world workers in India. May they work in peaceful areas of the country as they bring your word to those who need it. Particularly, we pray for Sumat Nath as he works to build a mission worker training center in India to help spread your peace and your word. We also pray for our partners in the Baptist Union of Scotland. Today, we pray, pray for South Beach Baptist Church, St. Ninia's Baptist Church, Selkirk Baptist Church, and Shetalovsky Baptist Church. 
May their efforts in their churches and community bring peace and love to those around them. Lord, lastly, we pray for those in our own congregation. This week, we pray for Steve, Neil, Anita and Bonnie, Dr. Beth, Mary, Janet and Roger, Joyce and Morag, Jen, Andrew, Carl and Aiden, Elaine, Graham, Freya and Sarah, and John E. Bless them and help them to find and make peace in their own lives. Lord, as we leave this place, may we be blessed by the peace we have here. As we go forth, may we carry that peace with us and bless others with it. Help us to serve you and spread your word this way. Amen. moment we're going to share in a blessing based on the world peace prayer which is printed on your uh, service sheets and after that we'll listen to a voluntary fight by Paul and Neil then it will be the church meeting but I am conscious we have one or two visitors and it seems slightly rude not at least to say hello and cheerio to them before we leap straight into the meeting so I'll give you two or three minutes just if you need to nip to the loo turn around but then we'll go straight into the church meeting after that um, and we'll only be a very short meeting. Visitors are welcome to stay, but if you don't want to, please don't feel obliged to. We say together if we can see the words. Lead us from death to life, from falsehood to truth. And may we keep through all our years the hopefulness of youth. From dark despair to hope, from fear to trust in God, from hate to love, from war to peace, keep leading us, dear God. Let peace enfold our lives, in peace our souls immerse, and may God's peace pervade the world, then fill the universe. Amen. <laughs> 